Welcome to Molotov Now, a podcast about taking action. In Molotov Now, we analyze and discuss news articles and stories of resistance from around the globe and connect them to our struggles here at home in Aberdeen, Washington. In the spirit of building solidarity between the rural and the urban, we hope to inspire direct action in the face of oppression and to light a fire to find each other in the darkness. This is Sprout. And this is Sherian. And we are the hosts of Molotov Now, part of the Channel Zero Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Today we have a special episode for you. We'll be hosting a roundtable discussion with some of the co-organizers of the recent dual power gathering that took place this June in the woods outside of Portland. But first, we have an explainer and a report back to read through about the gathering and the different sessions held there, as well as what an unconference is. When we return, we will be going over our radical news roundup. But in the meantime, here is a message from our sponsors. I'm going to make those pompous academics regret kicking out such a genius. Deciding to build my lab and do my research. The Time Talks Podcast. Have you ever stared at a 500-page book and wish you could just talk to the author about their ideas instead? If so, the Time Talks Podcast, part of the Channel Zero Network, is for you. Where we discuss history, politics, music, and art with an anti-authoritarian and anarchist perspective. The Time Talks Podcast. What's this light? I feel different. The Time Talks Podcast. Welcome back to Molotov Now. It's time for our radical news roundup from other autonomous media organizations that we follow. Unicorn Riot is a decentralized educational 501c3 nonprofit media organization of journalists. Unicorn Riot engages and amplifies the stories of social and environmental struggles from the ground up. They seek to enrich the public by transforming the narrative with accessible and non-commercial independent content. You can find the following articles on their website at unicornriot.ninja. May 31st. Three Atlanta activists arrested, home raided over bail fund. June 2nd. Atlanta Solidarity Fund organizers granted bond. June 4th. Court sentences Cambodian union leaders to prison amid wave of repression. June 6th, Atlanta City Council approves $67 million in public funds for, quote, Cop City. June 12th, May Day festivities return to Minneapolis. June 13th, Israel blows up home of Palestinian prisoners' family. June 14th, Cop City protesters visit nationwide insurance. June 16th, Department of Justice finds racist discrimination practices in Minneapolis PD. June 17th, The Tale of the City, Gentrification in London, Part 2. June 20th, Their Overreach is Sowing the Seeds of Their Undoing, 
Forest Defender speaks from Bartow County Jail. June 21st, Minnesota inmate calls on DOC to, quote, value us as human. June 24th, Stop Cop City Week of Action begins. June 25th, protests against anti-immigrant laws to continue. June 25th, Stop Cop City Week of Action Day 2, Rematriating Muskogee Land Hardcore Benefit Show. June 26th, Stop Cop City Week of Action Day 3, Bike Ride Slash Rally, Signature Gathering, Discussing Movement History. Stop Cop City Week of Action Day 4, Rally to Reopen Entrenchment Creek Park. June 27th, Sixth Stop Cop City Week of Action, Unicorn Riot Coverage. It's going down as a digital community center for anarchist, anti-fascist, autonomous, anti-capitalist, and anti-colonial movements across so-called North America. Their mission is to provide a resilient platform to publicize and promote revolutionary theory and action. You can find the following articles on their website at itsgoingdown.org. May 29th. Minnesota not very nice. Opposing Medea Benjamin in Minneapolis. May 29th. Report back from 3rd Annual May Day on the Harbor. May 30th. June 11th and long-term prisoner support. May 31st. Bay Area local marches to name and shame cop city funders. May 31st. Atlanta police and Georgia Bureau of Investigation raid Atlanta Solidarity Fund. Arrest three organizers. June 2nd. In contempt number 29. Pushing back against repression in Atlanta. Upcoming June 11th events. June 3rd. Announcing the Seattle Anarchist Book Fair, August 26th through 27th. June 4th, Kite Line, Raid on the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. June 4th, Revolutionary Trans Politics and the Three-Way Fight, an interview with Rowan. June 4th, From the Bay to the A, No Cop City Anywhere, Report from the Stop Cop City Solidarity March in Oakland. June 5th, This is America number 187, Anger erupts in New York, Democrats push farther right. June 7th, System Fail Number 22, Bois-Kale Movement in Haiti. June 8th, Queer Arm Joy, Report Back from Vancouver's Big Gay Wedding. June 8th, Anti-LGBTQ plus Neo-Nazi Chase Out of Anarchist Bookstore in Philadelphia Has History of Exposing Himself to Teenage Girls. June 11th, Statement from Miguel Peralta at June 11th to 2023. June 12th, Ottawa, Anti-Fascist Coalition Blocks and Kettles Anti-LGBTQ plus Bigots. June 12th, San Francisco takes to the streets against the murder of Banco Brown. June 13th, Statement in Solidarity with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. June 13th, June 11th Statement from Anarchist Prisoner Michael Kimball. June 13th, Community Defense Protects Drag Event in Kalamazoo, Michigan from Far Right. June 18th, Turf Rally in Pittsburgh Surrounded and Shouted Down. June 18th, Final Straw, Updates on the Struggle to Stop Cop City. June 19th, Neo-Nazis blocked and kicked out of Pride Celebration in Chico, California. June 19th, System Fail Number 23, Life Over Lithium. June 8th, Canada Tire Fire Number 60, Anti-Logging Blockades, Torrento Wrench Strike Kicks Off, Fight to Stop Deportations. June 12th, Materials and Resources to Help You Hashtag Defend Pride This Summer from the Far Right. June 16th, Reflections as Hundreds Take the Streets of Rally Against North Carolina's Abortion Ban. June 16th, Interview with UPS Teamster on the possibility of huge 2023 strike. 
Crime thought is everything that evades control. Crime Think is a rebel alliance. Crime Think is a banner for anonymous collective action. Crime Think is an international network of aspiring revolutionaries. Crime Think is a desperate venture. Check out these articles at crimethink.com. May 3rd, in memory of Dmitry Petrov, an incomplete biography and translation of his work. May 24th, Recipes for Disaster, Asphalt Mosaics, a hot weather activity for lonely asphalt near you. May 31st, Atlanta police and prosecutors target legal support activists. June 12th, Gender Subversion Today, a reprint and a remix of our classic poster. June 21st, We Are Not Martyrs, a message from Sergei, who survived the attempted murder at the hands of French police. June 21st, Living in an Earthquake, the fight against Cop City confronts unprecedented repression. June 24th, Russian Anarchists on the Wagner Mutiny, statements from three anarchist organizations. We are getting the cue it is time for a musical break. When we return, we will be reading a report back about the dual power gathering and the different sessions held there and detail exactly what an unconference is. For now, here is Evan Greer with their song, I Want Something. Hit it! God damn it. Sitting in a bathroom stall With a marker in her hand Scribbling down the words To a favorite song by her favorite band She hopes someone will read them And maybe they'll understand How it feels To care so much it hurts so hard you shake To love so intensely that it scares you To build so much that something breaks She knows that she's not the only one Sometimes it sure feels that way In a little college town in Ohio So there's a song that she sings every day I want something That's better than this And I'm not sure exactly what it is But I think that we could build it If we try together And if we all sing Do-do-do-do 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 Full of patches and PCP 
kids all drink the same beer And they talk about anarchy And he wonders if he's the only one Who remembers what that used to mean And the punk rock band plays on Long into the night These days the kids with the empty eyes Hardly even put up a fight And he watches as his friends live up And slowly start to die Sticking needles in their arms Cause punk rock boys never cry He sings, I want something That's better than this Welcome back to Molotov Now. Let's read the article by the Harbor Rat Report entitled, A Report Back, Dual Power Gathering West. You find yourself in the middle of the woods, surrounded by the hum of anarchists chatting and the enticing smell of curry and campfire. Without your headlamp, 
You can't see anything except the stars through the treetops. Your cell phone hasn't gone off in days. You are somewhere special, and everyone here knows it. What's happening here, what you are all co-creating, it will ripple out from here in many profound ways you have yet to fully realize. But you feel that potential in your bones. You all do. After months of planning, the Dual Power West Gathering met successfully June 2nd to June 4th in the woods outside so-called Portland, Oregon. This article is meant to give people a view of what it took to organize an event like this, actually pull it off, and what the event felt like to those who participated in forming this gathering. We hope this can provide resources and inspiration to those wanting to plan their own such gathering, as well as provide those who couldn't attend a view of what took place this summer in the wild woods of Oregon. Prepping for the event. Planning for this, the second event of its time, took about six months. After the first dual power gathering in Chicago on July 29th through 31st, 2022, some participants and organizers felt a need to plan another, more regional event, specifically for the west coast of Turtle Island. This involved dozens of organizers meeting regularly and chatting freely about a rough schedule, possible campsite locations, resources and equipment that could be gathered, and setting up digital infrastructure to take RSVPs and donations. After selecting a campground, the focus turned to assembling local resources, facilitating ride shares, planning a menu for the weekend, and thinking heavily about increasing measures of accessibility for everyone in attendance. For security reasons, the exact location was kept a secret until closer to the event, and to only share it with people who had RSVP'd or by word of mouth to known comrades. Despite this, there was plenty of in-person and online promotion for the event, as organizers traveled extensively up and down the West Coast, visiting radical communities and inviting people to attend. The result of this incredibly generous time and energy was that the event was so well attended. About 150 people floated in and out throughout the weekend, with about 70 people there at the peak on Saturday. Organizers showed up on May 30th, a Wednesday afternoon, to get a jump on setting out signage for incoming campers to more easily find the campground, as well as set up a welcome-slash-medic tent to guide participants to the correct sites. We also selected a central site to become the kitchen area, which would be known as the cauldron during the gathering. And it served an additional function as an activity nexus throughout the weekend. Organizers designated a nearby campsite for the dining area, and they erected a massive canopy tent along with multiple black and red industrial workers of the world, IWW flags, and a projector setup. This became known as the IWW Movie House. By Friday, June 2nd, the first day proper of the gathering had arrived, and with it, people began to flow into the campground and find one another near the cauldron. Unconference Organizing Model The model used to organize this gathering is referred to as an unconference, an open style of formatting an event which allows for the input of all participants in setting an agenda and facilitating sessions on whatever topics they desire. From unconference.net The unconference format creates a space for peer-to-peer learning, collaboration, and creativity. At the start, the whole group will gather together and will be guided through creating an agenda using open space technology. The exact process is not important to understand in advance. The process will become clear as it happens. The important part is that all those gathered will have the opportunity to put conference sessions on the agenda. No session will be voted off or won't happen for some other reason. All sessions are welcome. The sessions convened will range from the formal to the informal, from the well-thought-out, pre-prepared talk reflecting years of research and practice to the -the spur-of-the-moment new idea that would be fun to talk about, from the demonstration of a working tool to the whiteboarding of something completely new. Before the event. 
There will likely be a wiki that gives you a sense of the range of topics that people are suggesting and to connect with others who you might collaborate with when convening a session. Although you'll see suggestions for sessions and talking about ideas ahead of time, this is not where the agenda gets created. That happens at the event itself. Collaboration among participants who convene sessions and even merging of sessions on similar topics are both encouraged. If you convene a session, the decision to merge with another session will always be yours to make. Convening a session. There are several key points about an unconference. First, you do not need to do preparation in order to convene a session. If you get an idea the day of the event, call a session. Second, there is no right way to lead a session. However, there is a bias towards interaction and discussion. Third, choosing a format for your session will help you in achieving your vision. Following are a few ideas about different session types to get you thinking about possibilities. Types of sessions. The longer formal presentation. This is tricky because it's difficult to make a formal presentation interactive. But if you have a big, well-developed idea, you can pull it off. A short presentation to get things started. 5 to 15 minutes of prepared materials by the session leader, followed by an interactive discussion. Group discussion. Someone identifies a topic they are interested in, others come to join the conversation, and an interesting discussion happens. My big or little question. You have a question you want to know the answer to, and you think others in the group could help you answer it. This format could also just be the seed of a conversation. Show and tell. You have a cool project, a demo, or just something to show and let people play with that is the springboard for all of the conversation in the session. Alternatively, you can invite others to bring their own items to show and tell, perhaps with a theme, and everyone takes a turn sharing. And finally, learn how to do X. If you're inclined to teach, this can be simple and effective. Bring the equipment that you need and have a plan that will let you teach 5, 10, or 15 people how to do something all at the same time. Do take photos of different elements of your program so you can share them with others, either at the sessions you lead or in other sessions. Advice about leading a session. If you convene a session, it is your responsibility to hold your space for the session. You hold the space by leading a discussion, by posting a first question, or by sharing information about your program. Be the shepherd. Stay visible. Be as involved as necessary. Be a beacon of sanity that guides the group. Ask for help holding the space if you need it. You might, for example, put a session on the board and know that you are so passionate about the topic that it would be better if someone else, someone more objective, facilitates the discussion. Choose someone from your team or another participant who is interested in the topic. Don't assume people in the room know more or less than you do. You never know who is going to be interested in your session. You might want to start by asking people to hold up their hands if they've been involved with the topic for more than five years for one to five years, or for one year or less. Don't be upset if only two people show up to your session. Those two people are the ones who share your interest. Don't feel that you have to fill up an hour of time. If what you have to say only takes 15 minutes and the group has finished interacting, then the session can end. Don't feel pressure to have everything take only an hour. If you start with a short presentation and then a group conversation gets going and your discussion needs to continue past an hour, find a way to make this happen. You might be able to keep talking for a while in the room you are in, or move to another part of the conference area, or post part two on the agenda. Be brave. Others are interested in making your sessions work. Do think about the ideas that you want to cover in your session, and how you want to cover them, but don't feel as though you need to prepare a great deal. If you're overprepared, your session might lose energy. Experiment with the kind of sessions you lead. There is no such thing as failure in an unconference. conference 
Advice for everyone at an unconference. Go with the flow. This event is intended to help you and all the other grantees find the time and space to talk with and learn from each other. Follow your passion. Go to the sessions that interest you. Leave the sessions that don't. Take responsibility for your own learning. If there are topics that you are really interested in that don't appear on the agenda at first, you need to put them on there. Friday night of the Dual Power West gathering included a facilitator training to help with the work of these next few days, and we agreed to meet Saturday morning for a general assembly in order to determine the schedule of sessions for the weekend. We ate dinner together and spent the evening around the campfire in what would be a nightly ritual of decompression and reflections. The next morning over breakfast, we made introductions to any newly arrived and discussed what sessions we might put on the board for the weekend. The assembly took place immediately afterwards with us introducing ourselves, our affiliations, and projects. Organizers of the Dual Power Gathering acknowledged that we met on the traditional and unceded lands of the Multnomah, Wasco, Cowlitz, Kathlamet, and Clackamas bands of Chinookan peoples, Atfalati, and the Malala. One of the goals of the gathering was to discuss the importance of indigenous leadership of the movements to defend water and life, as well as our collective responsibility to abolish the settler colonial states occupying Turtle Island. We made time to discuss the needs of elders and those with disabilities, such as speaking up during sessions and making sure that everyone was able to speak, so the event would remain accessible to all. People who needed blankets were connected with those who had extras. Those who needed a cot got one, etc., etc. From each according to their needs to each according to their ability was a principle manifested in the gathering rather than something we'd get to at some unknown point in the future. We looked over the whiteboard full of offerings people had made to facilitate all sorts of interesting open discussions and more directed facilitated events, discussing a little bit about what each session would entail. After addressing any last concerns, we broke out for the day's events and everyone went to whichever session drew their passions the most. The first day sessions were as follows. International Solidarity and Nuclear Non-Proliferation, an open discussion. Community Defense, an open discussion. Several regional breakouts took place, such as the Rocky Mountain, NorCal, Cascadia, and in everywhere else. Indigenous Values versus Capitalist Values, presentation and Q&A. Community-based therapy, tabling of ideas. Radios for community defense and disaster relief, tech and usage. Cascadia and bioregionalism, presentation and discussion. Narcan OD training and trank discussion, trainings and discussion. Building bridges into the politics, an open discussion. Rural or small-town intentional residential communities, presentation, then open discussion. And Movement Kitchen and Distro, Skillshare and open discussion. Watch this space for a full zine containing summaries of the different sessions that took place over the weekend. But here we want to aim at looking at what the event itself was like in planning and execution. Meeting Basic Needs Most of the food for the three-day event came from gleaning programs nearby or was brought in from various mutual aid depots around the West Coast. Each day, there was a breakfast, lunch, and dinner sign-up sheet for prep, cooking, and cleanup, which helped the kitchen bottomliners plan their meals better and not have to do as much by themselves. Meeting dietary restrictions and allergies was a major concern. Of note was the Snack Stump, a tree stump centrally located in the cauldron area that was commandeered for snacks and light fare, which was set out throughout the day. This helped provide people with food to eat during daylight hours. There was far more food than we needed, but there was this was a key organizing principle we reaffirmed over the weekend, to be over-prepared for everything. When you do it right, being prepared feels like being over-prepared. This involved bringing extra equipment to share with those without their own stuff, being able to coordinate ride shares to and from the campground, 
and the initial reservation of a large amount of campsites. Consensus Decision-Making and Limitations Consensus was centralized, but in some cases was pushed aside due to time constraints and lack of planning. Though it was prioritized where possible during all stages of planning and execution, and while this may have taken a bit longer to accomplish decision-making in certain scenarios, it led to a feeling of ownership for all involved. An intention to share a sense of co-creating this event with their fellow organizers was put out to all attending the event. This was the vibe throughout the weekend, with many commenting on how smooth everything had gone and how little conflict there was between participants from a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences. People had made their own sessions as they saw fit, based on what their interests and passions were. People made their way to the river for some swimming if they wanted to do so, or just mingled with others near the cauldron, openly discussing any number of intriguing and engrossing topics. We found that the intentionality of the space as a non-hierarchical and co-created space was the largest factor in contributing to well-managed conflict between people attending the event. Sunday saw a bit of a shift change, as some people had to leave early and others came late. Luckily, the new crop of people seemed to fit right in and needed little to no reassurance that they could jump right into actively creating the space with us. There were many words of encouragement to those wanting to make offerings on the whiteboard, as it can be intimidating to offer your knowledge up to share with others. With the new people thoroughly integrated, we moved forward into the second day of sessions. The schedule for that day became Marks for Anarchists, an open discussion, food sovereignty and basic foraging and farming skills, discussion and skill share, conflict in social movements slash white supremacy culture in our everyday lives, open discussion, practice, and sharing, squat-centered locksmith, Skillshare, municipal eco-resiliency project, or MERP, a presentation and open discussion, answering MLK's call for a radical revolution in values, presentation and Q&A, learnings of no border struggle in Europa, 2005 to 2022, 45 minutes of input and open discussion, mutual aid successes, an open discussion. Libsock and Local Politics, an open discussion. Anarchist Ecology, an open discussion, theory and practice, land back. Atlanta Forest Learnings, strategy and discussion, land defense and alternatives. Community and Neighborhood Networking, an open discussion. Radical Media, Reflections and Scheming. Five Veins of Anarchism, Care and Attack, an open discussion. De-escalation and Protest Safety, training and open discussion. Transforming Conflict in Movement Spaces, an open discussion. Wealth redistribution, an open discussion. Bodywork and co-regulation as mutual aid, a skillshare. This day, like all the others, ended around a campfire gleaning what we could from each other's experiences at sessions we didn't attend ourselves. Time was spent sharing experiences and projects we were working on in our hometowns. As many people had cleared out in the early evening, the few who dwindled around the campfire as the flames turned to embers took time to reflect on the weekend's events. Conversation was free-flowing and shifted organically between small and intimate conversations with your neighbor and all-encompassing, wide-ranging group discussions. After one last adventure to collect whatever firewood hadn't been burnt yet, the group finally dispersed to say goodbye once again in the morning. Aftermath Those who stayed for the morning of Monday the 5th were treated to another amazing breakfast, courtesy of the cauldron. Everyone got some coffee and food and chatted about what lay ahead for them once they returned home revitalizing old projects, and starting some new ones. People came together to help break down the remaining campsites and the cauldron and meeting areas. A last-minute scramble to hand out all the remaining food and to gather all the items left by various campers was successful as a mutual aid crew took the food home to distribute in their work. 
With everything being packed, the last few people headed out, promising to remain in contact and to see each other again soon. In the aftermath of the event, and once we got back to the cell phone service, people's signal chats swelled with newfound friends and comrades. Connections were reaffirmed and plans were hatched for various ways to debrief and report back on what we had all experienced. Already, plans are underway for an autonomously organized dual power gathering Midwest, plan for the end of summer, details to come soon. The lessons learned from each event will serve to inform and grow the capacity and accessibility of the next. The bonds formed will sustain and nourish our communities as we struggle together, building dual power and capacity to act outside of the state. These events and the framing of the event as promoting dual power are critical to expanding the movement and to retaining and growing the skills and connections of those already involved in organizing. This event wasn't a retreat. It took a tremendous amount of labor and love to pull off. Yet, it felt invigorating, not draining. Even the term, gathering, served the event well in setting a tone and intention to come together and spend time with one another. It felt casual, and yet a lot was accomplished, and many profound conversations were facilitated. You find yourself on the road home again. One arm is getting sunburned, hanging out the window of the paint. You choke down another cigarette as you bring up exactly how you and your comrades want to broach all the new ideas and inspirations you're bringing back home. The van bounces down the freeway. Another earnest conversation about organizing ideas ensues. Heading back home to a life you can't wait to revitalize with new connections and a new direction. The world isn't less horrible than it was the week before, but something has shifted. Something in the column of things to fight for has increased. Maybe it's the new friends, maybe it's the old friends. Whatever it is, you know you want to share. You want to be the ripple that carries this experience back into your world. You all do.
And that was We the Heathens with 33 Shots. Welcome back to Molotov Now. We're here with some of the co-organizers of the recent Dual Power Gathering West. And we're going to talk a little bit about our reflections on the event and some of the noteworthy aspects and skills that we found while attending the event. We want to go around and do some introductions real quick. Uh, I'm Sprout, they, them... I am a co-organizer of a couple mutual aid projects here in town in Aberdeen, and I do this podcast with Sherry Ann, my co-host, and we are interested in connecting with people regionally uh, because there's not a lot of radicals out in our area, and so we've had a lot of success with reaching out to people in the Pacific Northwest in general, and finding solidarity and building connections between those different areas has been pretty productive for us. Sure. uh, This is Possum. I I use they, them pronouns. Uh, I am also up here in Aberdeen involved with a few different projects. Um, It was really exciting for me to uh, hear about all of the the, uh, food resiliency, food autonomy projects at, at the gathering, because that's right up my alley, 100%. Yeah. Hi. Um, I... I'm Rowdy Radish. I use he and they. Um, I um, organize out of Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm kind of involved in a lot of different types of organizing work, but I really like um, being involved in like a range of groups and trying to kind of build bridges between different kinds of organizing work. So I do some kind of community um, disaster preparedness and resiliency work, some like food sovereignty work, kind of mutual aid stuff, political education. So I kind of I I run around and between a lot of different kinds of projects and groups. Um, and I guess to kind of give a like a, a maybe a visual immersive description, I'm calling from my bedroom, which has a bunch of uh, like found furniture that. Um, are mostly like kind of primary colors. So it's lots of like bright blue and red and, um, uh, yeah, it, it's a little visually overwhelming sometimes, but it's, it's kind of fun. So. Hey, I am Chloe, uh, based out of Boise currently, um, for community organizing that I do. It's a lot of just like hanging out with unhoused folks. Uh, I've been involved in that community for a number of years. And then recently since Dual Power Gathering have been having a lot of fun uh, figuring out how to get free food to the people and who those people are and who wants it. That's it. I'm just a simple she, her. I forgot my pronouns. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I am just the most generic white woman. I was having a conversation about that recently with someone where I'm like, there's like the power of the generic white woman where it's like, you just slip right behind the cracks. Nobody knows. Just another generic white woman. <laughs> I love that. Cool. Hi, my name is Ben. He, him. Uh, I'm also organizing out of the Boise region. Um, 
I help out with a lot of mutual aid stuff with unhoused people, uh, some event organizing, uh, concerts and things like that. Been doing some poetry and some bicycle things, starting up uh, some childcare, some uh, childcare collective, and doing some transformative justice, conflict mediation. Um, that's kind of really my, my bigger passion right now. Uh, but as it, as you can probably tell, I got a lot of passions and a lot of fingers and a lot of things. So that's, I think enough of that. Um, visually I have poofy hair. That's the number one thing people know about me and, uh, mask presenting and also look vaguely ethnic, uh, which is true, true to my, my heritage. Uh, I am just kind of vaguely ethnic, um, <laughs> And I am sitting in my bedroom, and uh, it is a bunch of found furniture. It is just covered with with boxes and knickknacks and clothes and hats uh, and so many printers because I love zines. Um, <laughs> and none of the printers probably work fully correctly right now, but I'm working on them. A lot of overstimulation here, also, but in a very different way. <laughs> oh, my room is 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 very messy as well. <laughs> Oh heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to. I don't want you to have the the wrong imp- impression here. <laughs> you feel like such a put together person. Uh-uh. <laughs> the room we're in is made out of literal garbage, so it, no need to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Brethren. <laughs> yeah, our little recording studio we made was uh, definitely found carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, it sounds like everyone has a lot of fingers and a lot of pies and is doing a lot of really cool things. As my enemies would describe me, I am a Hydra with many hats. All right. So one thing that I've noticed about the aftermath, as I've heard some people call it, of this dual power gathering is that there's been a lot of focus on trying to get a report back out and get a zine made. And there's a survey floating about. All of this data collection seems to be going towards making the movement and the gatherings in the future as a whole stronger and more resilient and more accessible to everyone. So in light of that, we have a little questionnaire that we distributed, and we're going to take up those points now. The first one we have here is describe up to three noteworthy networking connections that you made while at the gathering. And I can kick that off. I know that we had one comrade who we'd been in contact with for a while and finally got the chance to meet in person, which definitely strengthened the relationship and was nice to put a face to a name. And it gave us a lot of opportunities to sit around the fire and discuss potential future projects and future visits between us. Um, so that was really cool. Not to mention the various comrades we met from Oregon who had uh, reached out to us about potential collaborations on various projects and uh, how we were able to connect in uh, real life at DPG and talk about some of these uh, events and programs and organizations in person. These were connections that are going to help us bolster our regional anti-fascist collaborations to a point that we're, it will hopefully prove fruitful um, for outing Nazis across the Pacific Northwest and along with other goals from our, uh, our regional networks that we're uh, in the process of building. 
We also met uh, an anarchist bookkeeper who was interested in getting involved with our comrades at the Black Flower Collective. We were able to make that connection between them and looks like someone who's generally interested in genuinely interested in getting involved with Black Flower's awesome land project here in the harbor. I was able to connect with some uh, food autonomy projects um, in the Portland area, which is very exciting for me because I would personally like to be involved with building regional autonomy, uh, regional strength, uh, building networks of care, and so forth. Um, so that was that was very good. One um, really cool connection um, that I had the opportunity to make was with someone who was visiting from Austria, and it was really cool getting to like hear from their experience doing like political organizing in Europe, especially like around like supporting migrants and it was really cool having them present at the gathering to like share their experience and like you know uh they had a lot of really cool um projects and like organizations that they talked about that i had never heard about like kind of being in this like u.s bubble here um so it was cool kind of like getting to learn from them from their context but also it was nice to be able to kind of like collectively pass on like lessons that we've learned here or practices that could be like useful or relevant, you know, like internationally. So it was, it was really cool that they were able to make it and we were able to kind of form a a small, but um, really cool kind of international connection. I think for me, I enjoyed, I connected with some folks who um, are very into their local electoral politics. Um, And I think I just appreciated sort of the conversation for me. Like I'm a very like front, facing person i do a lot of like you know getting my name out there and generally very above the table sort of stuff um so i guess for me it was just interesting to connect with folks in that environment and sort of talk about the like tension between um knowing that like the system is inherently broken and there's not really like we're not going to be able to necessarily save it um but also that there's people who are stuck in the system now who need help now. Um, and unless we can like spontaneously generate $3 million, there needs to be good people working within a bad system and sort of, yeah, I guess exploring that, like, I don't want to work in this. How do I work in this? Um, yeah. And I just appreciate having that, like a sort of audience to have that conversation with people. Cause I have that conversation in my head a lot and it doesn't go anywhere. So to talk with other people from a different region, Oh, that was really cool. I really appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, uh, along with what Rowdy Rash was saying for the international stuff, I met someone that was very knowledgeable about the Philippine struggle. And I've had some very good friends that are from that area. And to hear that they've kind of been in a slow burning revolution for like 20 years kind of blew my mind. Um, that there's a, a pretty underground struggle happening there to fight against a pretty bad dictatorship. Um, that's being installed and helped propped up by uh, U.S. military, of course. Um, and then to echo what some of the others were saying, that um, kind of like making the in- in-person connections for me, I'm not really even good at doing <laughs> phone connections. I- I'm not uh, great at the social medias and, and the things the kids do these days. Ooh. But... Yeah, getting to see a bunch of old buddies that I don't talk to very often was great. Um, and getting to make some new ones. I met some ones that had uh, good 
information on like um, bioregionalism and lead free ammunition. Uh, that particular individual also loved Nintendo, which I love playing Smash Bros. so much. Um, and yeah, met, I know some of my other uh, friends met people that had like uh, knowledge, like hard skills about radios, about locksmithing, and about a couple other things like that. Um, that they were super jazzed to have someone to talk to finally about some of these things. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Really, for me, it was just like getting a chance to be in some people's presence and just talking about the experiences that we've had and what's going on and, and connecting on a personal level. Um, and afterwards, I did some traveling after uh, Dual Power. I got to like um, visit a couple places, see some of these people again, because we've become friends pretty much. And yeah, having having that regional connection and an ability to uh, and now this trust that I can like go to these cities or, or nearby cities to where they are and then hit them up and be like, yo, let's talk about things. Let's hang out. Let's show me some of your projects. And whereas if I hadn't been there, I couldn't really go do that. I would just show up to a city. And <laughs> I mean, I've tried before. I'm just looking up on Instagram. Like I'll be like this city name, mutual aid <laughs> and, and hope to God that someone actually watch is there uh, Instagram or, or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love, uh, all of the connections. It was super rad. The The Western Dual Power Gathering was actually secretly just um, an excuse for us to make a couch surfing network. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really what this was all about. <laughs> Strength that's <and> awesome. <laughs> I, um, I guess another, just another kind of general connection. It's not a specific person, but um, I met a bunch of people at the gathering who also live in Portland. And even like a few of them are like even basically in my neighborhood. And it was just wild to like get to meet a bunch of people who are in my area who I would have just otherwise had no idea they existed. So it was, it was really cool to have the like longer distance and kind of regional connections, but also um, even some kind of local connections get made as well. That's awesome to hear. Um, yeah, I thought I really appreciated how much it felt like I was around my people in that sense of like, mm -hmm. um, the, all the norms that were discussed were upheld and were kind of just, uh, you know, I felt like understood by everyone really well. And I just felt like I was in a safe spot to talk to people, uh, about my projects and share what is going on in town locally and people were interested to hear it, which was really reinvigorating for us here locally to know that people are uh, concerned with what's going on in a small town like Aberdeen and that there's actually a ton of eyes on what's going on in our area is, is really reassuring. Is there any reason that you can think of that, um, like in the structure of the organizing of the event itself that led to it being a group of like-minded individuals? Yeah, I, I can think of a couple things. I mean, for one, we were pretty worried about security in terms of information and stuff like that at the beginning of uh, trying to make sure that this info is not getting out um, to alt writers and, and weirdos that might try to like counter or like protest this thing, um, <laughs> which would have been very silly and weird to me. Uh, but either way, um, through that we were kind of selective on where we were putting our information and it was a very grassroots uh organizing grassroots outreach um and so i think like 
it not being uh, on anything extremely big uh, out there, except for maybe it's going down, but we, we kind of figured it's going down is uh, not being monitored super tightly by all writers. And then being on here, which is like a very regional focus uh, media outlet that I actually made some pretty cool connections through people that listen to it on Sabbath. And yeah, I, I think though that anyone who's willing to come camp out to a thing that's not planned ahead of time. <laughs> it was an unconference model. So like we co-created this event. Um, I, I think that the people that that attracts it, uh, kind of self-selects so that it, it's a crowd that's willing and very interested in being sharing and, and, and co-creating and being in a community that's very kind and very caring. And a, a little side anecdote of like the, the extent of that, I remember some of the people that went when they got back, they're like, that was such a, like the group of people there were so uh, androgynous and trans and queer and all, all the good things. And I feel so weird, not just using they, them pronouns for everyone <laughs> that like, um, I think a majority of the people there were using they, them pronouns. Um, and I guess it was a culture shock for some people that like, yeah, that they would use a he, him or a she, her, uh, uh, when they got back to quote unquote regular society, I think another um, like factor that contributed to, I guess I'll just say the good vibes of the event. I want to say is um, I think a lot of the ways that word was spread about the event in advance definitely kind of centered a lot of attention on like one of the main kind of goals of the event, at least from the outset, was to like kind of provide like a, a low stakes kind of low stress environment for a lot of kind of like-minded organizers to um, like build connections and, and build relationships and, and practice building trust with each other. Um, and I think really emphasizing a lot of that as a big goal, like in and of itself um, for the event, I think that might've helped like with a lot of people who kind of self-selected um to attend the event. Um, so, you know, there was, there were a ton of really great workshops and um, there were like, you know, a lot of kind of practical developments that came out of the event and sharing of ideas. But I think at least on kind of a foundational level, just like the, the goal of, of building new relationships and building trust, I think that kind of intentional goal, um, I think went a long way to, kind of setting the the good vibes for the weekend and all the other stuff is just like icing on the cake that's it's also really cool but um i think yeah that kind of intentional like relationship building um i think helped a lot all right so the intentionality contributed a lot and the sort of low-key almost word of mouth way that it was promoted helped quite a bit back to the questionnaire our second question here is describe up to three practical ideas that might be useful to new projects or additions to other existing projects. And can you help others learn these too? We really enjoyed the unconference format uh, of the gathering and have want or wanting to do something similar here in our own uh, 
regional ecosystem in the in Western Washington locally for our own core organizing committee. This has given us hope to be able to bring people skills from across the region to conduct trainings and skill shares as well, especially when it comes to things around the ideas of like food sovereignty, community defense, and unionization for uh, for the unhoused. Yeah, one quote though that, that was stated was like community as defense, and I think all these kind of tie together as ingredients into one tasty soup. I really appreciated how the unconference model allowed for um, really organic and um, sort of almost casual connections um, where it took the pressure off. And so it seemed like just getting together with friends, even though we were talking about very serious things. Uh, I know one practical idea that I took away was uh, building off the model that MERP is using. That's the uh, the Municipal Eco-Resiliency Project. And so what they're doing is growing a bunch of starts in greenhouses, and then they have a network of growers who grow those vegetables out for them all across the the region that they that they live in. So one project that we have out here that's really important to us is food access and food sovereignty. And we have a group of gardeners and we're trying to get a community garden up and going. And so the idea of adding greenhouses to that to where we can add starts and give those starts out for free to people to grow in their own backyard and hopefully be able to entice people to donate some of that produce back to us so that we can use it to feed the unhoused. That is something that I think is a really useful practical idea that I took away from it. And hopefully that leads to further education down the line for people here in town as to, you know, just the basics of gardening and how to how to take something from a start to finish vegetable and different ways of preparing food, all that sort of stuff is skills that we want to bring back here and share. Yeah, for for me, um, I think it sounds like y'all were taking away a fair amount of uh, hard skills. I was taking away maybe more soft skills or I don't know. Either way, uh, one is things like this. Uh, I've listened to a lot of podcasts all the time, (laughs) Um, listening to podcasts and never really thought to try to make, make my own and then to... Uh, both in advertising for the event and then talking to people at the event, um, been on podcasts and, and got to experience how it's done. It seems a lot simpler than I, than I would have thought. Or, yeah, <laughs> never really thought about it. Um, but yeah, just hopping on a call, pushing record, and, and then having people talk about stuff and doing a little editing after. Yeah, and, and trying to, that, that media aspect and, and doing the outreach, um, even talking to some people that just do a lot of tabling. I was like, yeah, our group doesn't really get our name out there in those ways and that would be a a much better way some some really good ways for us to expand uh our our membership or not really uh a member organization or whatever but more people interacting with us and more people um doing direct action doing helping with the unhoused and um yeah pushing against the bad systems and making room and making the the seeds of the new ones to to take hold and then also, yeah, just I was so jazzed at how many like conflict resolution and transformer justice folks were there. Um, and I took away a, a bunch of details and, and tidbits um, that I don't think I can really put into words, but um, I think have already increased my ability to um, handle more intense situations and talk to 
uh, people in a way, in a more connecting way and, um, and, and listening in a more connecting way too. And yeah, got some book suggestions and things like that too, that I'm, I'm really excited to dig into. Um, I would say, I don't know. I think I've been trying to articulate it in my head, sort of like the different, like, like the very practical side of the skills and then the more like personal reaction to the event and what I was able to take away the practical side of things. Um, I would say that I ended up chatting with a lot of other Boise folks. I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but um, we were like, okay, yeah, cool. It sounds like, you know, getting to connect with all these other food people. And wow, there's a lot of cool ways that we could do like a better job of finding food for our distro and finding food that like people can take with them. And then, Um, recently we've started talking about community fridges and so I guess we just kind of got excited hearing about what all the other how everybody else was getting their food and we're like oh cool wait this is a resource that we haven't really as a a mutually group tried to tap into yet Um, and so that's been really cool just to sort of see that unfolding and um, then I would just say I since um, the dual power I've um, chatted with a couple of folks and it's just been interesting sort of as people have said like the unconference model um, kind of I mean I know like personally for me like gave me confidence of being like okay yeah like I my voice has equal weight like I can step up I can say things my opinions heard um, and so and I think you know either I think a lot of folks Oh, it's interesting to be like chatting with someone and they're like I just feel like I have imposter syndrome and I'm like but you're a purple mulleted philosopher. Like you're, of course you're not an imposter. You're part of the movement. Um, I mean, saying that from like the generic white woman. Um, but I guess like for me, it gave me hope that like, I don't need to wait until I have a certain amount of knowledge or experience um, to like step up or speak up or need to read a certain book or whatever. There's no like benchmark um, for like, okay, now I can like organize and now I can step up and have my voice heard in the community. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, now is the best time. And I think if you're surrounded by other folks that you feel can hear and understand you, um, which is what we're all hoping for. And one of the reasons why we're trying to build community. Um, yeah, I just, I think for me, I was really encouraged. I'm like, okay, cool. I can start organizing at any time. Like, let's start getting things done. Yeah, I totally, I totally get what, um, you were just saying, Chloe. Like, I think, um, uh, there, there's kind of like a, uh, like a norm that we talked about at the beginning of the event, which is kind of like, like you're free to like come and go from different like sessions or workshops as you need to or as your interests, you know, vary. And, you know, everyone else will try to do their best not to assume that you're like, you know, it's not like an insult if you you need to leave in the middle of a session or something. But also just that, like, a lot of the event was really trying to be about like, hey, if you're here, like, you can totally like run your own session or workshop about whatever you want. And I think that there's something really empowering about that kind of like model, like there's not a lot of spaces that I am in in my life where I get to have like that kind of, I don't know, that kind of like of an impact on, on a space where, yeah, like I totally would feel like, oh, like, I don't know if I I know enough or I don't know if I am experienced enough to like 
host a session about something. And that actually came up for me. Um, one of the conflict sessions that we had at the event, which was originally going to be um, like navigating conflict and social movements. I, I just put that on the schedule and I, there's like so much I don't know about this, but it was something that I wanted to learn about at the event and something that I wanted to make sure that there was like space for people to talk about. And so I just put my name as a host and I put it on the calendar and, you know, eventually it it all kind of worked out, but just, I think there's something really cool about that. The structure of the event itself, maybe as like a practical idea to take away from it, which is that like community gathering type events or skill shares or workshop type events. Like I think really emphasizing that like people who are present and participating should be like encouraged to, to make the space their own. I think that's a really like powerful idea that I took away from the the gathering. I think another kind of practical idea that was just really interesting. I don't know how much I, I could possibly implement this where I live, but it was interesting hearing about some of the like no borders struggles going on in Europe with respect to like people who are migrating into Europe and basically, you know, trying to find a, a safe place to live. Meanwhile, a whole bunch of European governments have these super horrible border control systems in place. And so there's a lot of people involved in, you know, supporting migrants and giving them a safe place to stay. And it was really interesting hearing about all the like practical, like ways that um, people are able to be in solidarity with migrants and like support them in ways that they want and need. Like some coastal areas apparently just have like networks of like people with boats and they they'll have their their independent their own independent like communication network so people will be like uh you know people who aren't like european governments are basically keeping an eye on if there are any like migrant vessels that are crossing the mediterranean for example and they'll if they find out about anything they will try to like um you know, reach out to their, you know, autonomous network of like boat captains and stuff um, who can go out and try to offer support um, to people so they can like travel safely across the Mediterranean. Like a lot of times when vessels are found, like or identified by European governments, they don't necessarily draw much attention to it. And so having this whole independent network going is another way that like activists can like pressure their governments to actually like support people who might be at risk of like drowning and stuff. So anyway, it was really cool hearing about all these like practical movement strategies coming out of the no borders struggle. Um, so that was another really cool whole bunch of stuff that I was hearing about. That's awesome. It sounds like everyone sort of took a lot of inspiration from the model of the, the conference or unconference itself. Um, the next question, any aha moments not necessarily skills, but things that changed how you see things. I know for me, one of the aha moments was at the beginning on Friday night, I believe it was, when we were doing the facilitator training. And the way that that was worded, I sort of thought, okay, we're going to have a facilitator come in and and give a training to us on something. Um, and it, it was like a little bit into it that I realized, oh, they're training us to be facilitators. So we're going to be able to facilitate a conversation tomorrow when we put it on the board. 
And so that aha moment for me really was the realization that this is a space that we're going to be co-creating. And while I didn't take the opportunity to do so because I was there primarily to learn and absorb from others, I could have put something on the board and facilitated a conversation. And I felt like that training at the beginning was really valuable to sort of set the tone of like, we're all in this, we're all doing this and co-creating this space together. And if you need help in terms of you don't feel confident enough to step up and put your name on the board, we have this support and we have people who can guide you and help you and maybe co-facilitate that space with you or at least you know, talk you through it and give you the confidence to put your name on the board. So I thought that that was a big aha moment for me. That and as I mentioned before, um, you know, that moment when it sinks in that you're in a safe space around a bunch of like-minded people, you're you're kind of, uh, you know, around your people, as it were. Well, that's just it. it. It was a safe space. I'm not normally one to get up in front of a crowd, but I felt completely comfortable putting my name and my idea for a discussion up there. And it was great to have that happen. I think um, in terms of kind of like aha moments, um, one really cool moment for me was, so I I originally wanted to just like make sure there was space to talk about conflict in social movement spaces. Um, So I, I put, I put that down on the calendar as like a session that people could go to. Um, And then um, a couple other people came up to me and they suggested that we combine events. And the event that they were going to talk about was white supremacy culture in our everyday lives. And so they thought that kind of combining the the two topics um, would be really fruitful. And I thought it was a great idea. So I said, yeah, let's do it. Um, but it wasn't really until I just like listened to this big conversation unfold about like, you know, how how conflict comes up for a lot of us um, and how a lot of us engage in conflict in like really kind of like carceral ways or kind of, you know, like unproductive, unhealthy ways. A lot of that is is very tied into a lot of like white supremacy and a lot of white supremacy culture. And it was really cool to like m- make some of those connections in my brain about a lot of that. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a, a big aha moment for me. I'll agree wholeheartedly with Friday Rash on, on that session. That session was amazing. Um, and if anyone wants to look into it more, there's a really good article, uh, essay out there called Why Misogynists Make Great Informants <laughs> that kind of delves into more about like patriarchal um, thought and how that is pretty pervasive in a lot of our, our circles on the left and how that leads to a lot of security concerns and issues and um, I had a lot of ahas around like linking some of that and uh, some of the conflicts I've seen to more white supremacy lenses. I also had an aha moment of just kids are great. Kids, kids really should be part of our movement. We need to definitely make more space so that children and, and youth, the youth trademark, uh, <laughs> can, can be a part of our spaces and, and uh, the things that we're doing. There was a, a, a youngster, a little, little girl uh, around two or three that, um, that was a part of it. And their parents was spending a lot of time 
uh, with some like boots on the ground organizing of the event. And like a bunch of other people just were so enamored and had so much fun playing with that little kid. Seeing all the joy on both the adults and that kid's face was so heartwarming. And we've had kind of similar experiences doing some childcare collective stuff out here where we, we were trying to find people to help watch the kids and these like surly 20 or 30 something uh, anarchists are like, oh, I would love to be a kid, like get to hang out with a kid and be childish and just like uh, refill that like joyous childlike part of myself. And then uh, I also I had another aha that was more of a oh <laughs> moment where um I was facilitating the opening discussion of like putting the things on the board, making the schedule and realized kind of Friday night when that was happening Saturday morning that we hadn't fully fleshed out some of the timeline and schedule of the event. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and some other small things have definitely pointed to me that like, there's a lot of discussion around security and um, some, some pretty extreme situations. Um, none of those happened. We did have an extreme situation where the water cut out. Um, and so we had to like carry water in five gallon things in, in, a, in a hand cart, uh, like a, a red wagon. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. And then some of the like smaller logistics hadn't been fleshed out as well as they could have. It was also a great experience that with these gaps, with these needs, a, a bunch of these people stepped up in, in amazing ways to fill them out, make sure that everything happened, not only like well enough, but phenomenally. But relying on that is probably not the smartest thing. Uh, <laughs> and maybe this is too much into seeing how the sausage is made. Uh, but we, we did plan out a lot of things, but there were some like very minor details of like making sure we have enough seats and tables and um, some things that you kind of take for granted, like water when that when that disappears. That's kind of big thing to deal with. Uh, a schedule, like it, it's non-conference. We all make this together, but having the framework for the schedule uh, is something important to provide. And so, like for me, it's definitely put uh, this bug in my ear, this this seed in my my brain of when I'm organizing something to really try to think about what are these fundamental things. What is what is the air that like. I'm not really seeing, but it's so fundamental and needs to be there. And I have to think about that still. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of another aha moment I had, which was um, that I need to wear sunscreen when I'm in the sun. Um, (laughs) I don't know how many times I have to learn that, but uh, I guess I have to learn it again. Yeah. I guess another, one other aha moment that I had was kind of just like, we kind of, tried to set a lot of like community norms around like behavior in the space itself ahead of time. And kind of one of the ways we did that was through kind of making this big zine that kind of gave a lot of tips on like how to participate in an on-conference, but also like how to like, uh, you know, basic tips about like, um, like when conflict comes up or like uh, how to like sit in a big discussion with people in a way where like maybe you're not talking over people or um, that kind of stuff. Um, But we also tried to set a lot of norms in the zine ahead of time. And I guess the aha for me was that um, this was kind of a, this was an approach to organizing this event that we like very heavily borrowed from the original dual power gathering, which was the summer of 2022 in Indiana. And they, they definitely like really emphasized um, instead of focusing on like, coming up with a bunch of like points of unity um, or like, you know, principles of unity or like, I don't know, kind of 
maybe more abstract pie in the sky kinds of like, these are our beliefs and these are our values. And then trying to figure out how you could possibly get a hundred people to agree on a list of those. They leaned really heavily into focusing on like agreed upon like community norms and behaviors. And I guess the aha for me was like, that seems like a really useful and important way to like think about setting up these kinds of community spaces, um, at least for me personally, be- because like, I feel like it, it can take so much work to like have a really long discussion about like, you know, okay, what are our values? What are our principles? Um, but like how we actually show up in the space maybe is even a little more important, you know, like we're not going to uh, allow like, like bigoted behavior here. We're going to, you know, approach this space with like, the understanding that everyone here is like learning, like so on and so forth. Um, and so I guess that was a really cool thing for me to kind of understand better was like um, setting those kind of community norms and behavior norms is something that I'm going to like keep in mind going forward. I think that a lot of everything you guys have uh, said around this has helped set the feeling of the vibes that were felt at D- DPG. It led to me to finding out a lot more things than I would have realized uh, would have been necessary for putting in um, on such an event like one of the aha moments that uh, led for me was like the attention to detail in regards to accessibility and needs i ended up experiencing like having needs met that i didn't even realize that i had go going into the event which allowed me to open up so much more like being a completely anti-social person myself for the most part um i've never felt a better group of strangers that i felt completely comfortable with going how should I say this on a uh, on a trip of impairment into the sky with my friend Lucy? Um, I think for me, uh, aha moment. Um, I, I someone else said like towards the end of the conference, like as we're like getting ready to go, is that I think a lot of people came to the space of being like, okay, who's got the answer to this problem I've been working on for two years? And like walk, I I, I think a lot of people walked away with okay, I've got hope, I've got ideas, I've got drive. Nobody has the magic answer. And I think for me, that was kind of like an important thing to recognize that like, okay, there's a reason that this is like a difficult struggle and that we're all still going through it. And I think I I was weirdly encouraged by the fact that there wasn't like a magic answer that like, oh, shoot, yeah, two hours away, they solved homelessness by just building a ton of apartment complexes because they were cool about that um, is... Like, yeah, so I think just, like, kind of finding hope in that, like, okay, there's a lot of people in a lot of places working on things, and, yeah, there isn't a magic answer, but we're all in the struggle together. All right, so our last question here, and then we'll wrap it up, is up to three ideas that you would change if you planned the next one. And this one's really important to me, not because it's, negative in any sense but because i think this is a huge focus of the gatherings in general is learning how to have a better experience next time there's no reason to not make it more accessible make it more open make it more i don't know how like egalitarian in the sense of spreading the work around a little bit more and so i think that us taking the time to sort of offer these critiques is really valuable So my first one that I'll kick us off with is I would like to have had a bigger send off party. I felt like there was a strong start to the weekend, but 
it seemed to kind of just dwindle out at the end over Sunday night and Monday. So I just wish that there had been like a larger closing ceremony or a big campfire circle with everyone on the last night where we could have, you know, said goodbye and exchanged hugs and contact information and all that sort of stuff. That was one thing that I noticed. Yeah, I know one thing that uh, got to me in particular was really kind of wanting a longer event, um, having more downtime into in between sessions, possibly maybe like a full day of downtime for more just activity focused stuff versus learning focused stuff. And I'm not sure how, how, what I would do to change the vibe of the event that felt just perfect. But maybe I'm wrong and that it was the perfect amount of. Well, I feel like a lot of people echoed that sentiment that they would have liked it to have lasted a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But the practicality of pulling off a longer sort of event would would make it a lot harder for logistics. Um, I know that the kitchen said they were prepared for like a week max in terms of cooking. But um, to have people be able to get a whole week off of work is is pretty difficult. I don't know about uh, things I would have change but in terms of future dpgs uh it might be cool to have sessions where we collectively create a solution to whatever issue or collectively create some sort of project like uh, a regional network maybe or uh oh i don't know uh if we were to um roundtable discuss anti-fascist tactics opsec tactics things of that sort i think one other thing that i might change is trying to find a benevolent private property owner and trying to have it on a piece of private property for a little bit more privacy. Um, I think that you could still open that up and make it accessible to people. Um, but obviously you would be a little bit more private and a little bit more secure in that sense. So I think that that's one thought to consider. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean, I was helping with a lot of the prep work in advance of the gathering. So there's just like, so many thoughts that I have about this uh, and none of them are like uh, barbed comments at anyone. It's more just like, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, like what are things that maybe we didn't focus on as much or things that we could focus more on. Um, but I think maybe one big thing was just, I, um, I think we probably could have done a better job of like onboarding people into kind of organizing the event in advance. I think we could have done a better job of that. I think, that a lot of us got really caught up in doing a lot of the kind of planning and logistical work um, in advance of the event. And I think we kind of let onboarding new people kind of fall by the wayside a bit. And towards the end, we had a few calls that were just specifically like for new people to hop on and get familiar with stuff and get connected and ask questions. Um, and, And that ended up helping a lot. But I think next time, I think it would be really good to make sure to set aside a lot of uh, time and intentionality behind making sure new people can get involved in planning and preparing for the event. That's definitely a big one. And I also really like the idea of having like a big closing event. I think it would be wonderful to have something like that. I will facetiously add not enough maypole. There was a big (laughs) maypole tease that happened. And I'm just saying could you could use more maple ditto <laughs> um i mean and like less fun add-on would be i guess i've been kind of trying to find the balance of like with like so when we were putting the sessions together we we're like okay let's go 
hours should be long enough. And then like, we'll have a long transition time. Um, so that if you know, you don't, you can't keep it to exactly an hour, like that's fine. And you know, that'll help it be more chill. But in practice, I think it was interesting that I felt the sessions I went to, like, yeah, you started getting into conversation with like-minded people about your passion project. And so, yeah, like it was a lot of times I felt like the session was only long enough for like, just to get like a basic, like, okay, this is what it is. Everybody exchanged contact info, like I go to the next, next session. So I think that allowed us to have more sessions, but not go as deep. Um, so just been, I think there's a couple different ways you can go about it to try and find a better balance there, whether it's just in general making like sessions longer, or maybe having certain chunks that we know are going to go longer. Um, yeah. So I don't have any answers yet, but some interesting sort of questions of like, how do we have, yeah. How, how can we create time to have longer sessions? And is that something that other people felt um, that the sessions were really rushed. That was just my experience. Yeah, I guess I'll add to that that probably the most consistent feedback thing I've gotten from people was around timing. Kind of like in the moment, some people from, uh, I won't say they're, where they're from, <laughs> but uh, they needed to go earlier on Sunday and other people hadn't really like woken up in time to be at the General Assembly at the beginning of the morning that was supposed to set the day for Sunday. So because of that, we pushed some things back. Uh, and since we we're pushing things back, they're like, we don't know if we can go to some of these sessions. And like, it did work well overall. Like we, we talked as a, at the General Assembly, the, the large group meeting to figure out like, how can we move around this timing to make it work the best for everyone? But yeah, I don't know. Part of me thinks that like not doing anything before like 10 <laughs> might be smart because uh it seems that some people wake up with the faintest uh, scintillating rays of sun coming over the horizon they're they're up and at them other people yeah are, are sleeping until like 10 or maybe being more okay with holding to a timeline and not not having everyone there because it is kind of a free-flowing event and so like if someone misses some stuff early on because they're sleeping like that's kind of their choice people have alarm clocks and things for the most part these days so and yeah the timing of sessions how long should those be how long should the gaps be in between them i don't know <laughs> i i personally think like they're pretty good length as they are i think more gaps in between so that people could extend the sessions if they wanted to and we had planned those gaps but then things in the morning would always be really rushed so we'd always push it back um yeah, I could go on about that. <laughs> I'm with the kids on this one. Abolish bedtimes. Yeah. <laughs> At last year's dual power gathering, the kids did make like a, a list of demands to the parents. And I think that was one of them is to abolish bedtimes. That's it fucking was, amazing. Yeah. They made their own flag and a list of demands. Uh, and it was so cute and so rad. They made their own flag. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yep, hand drawn with with uh, uh, colored pencils. <laughs> That's fucking adorable. I love it. I'm all for it. Hundred percent. But yeah, um, yeah, I, the timing thing definitely sticks. Is curious. got some young vexologists. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess to some of the comments we've had, think uh, a pitch. I have an idea for next dual power gathering that anyone holds this is 
non-patented idea. Go ahead, take it, run with it. That we did have uh, an individual that just kind of by their own whim, they came out like a week ahead of time and just camped the the weekdays before the event. And then being there, like they had such a intimate knowledge of the area and what's going on and what the rangers are like and what the vibe is that it really helped figure out what we were going to do and how we're going to do it knowing the distances between things how long does it actually take to walk them how accessible is it for other people and stuff like that a lot of trails out there that are like we're wheelchair accessible and they're not at all (laughs) like giant rocks at the beginning that they can't fit a wheelchair through giant rocks throughout it that are are way too rugged for a normal, normal wheelchair. Yeah, and so pitch idea is to like have like a soft opening like the weekend before or in like the weekdays before uh, the actual event, and people can go out there. They can camp to their heart's content. They can see a bunch of shit. Uh, they can go swimming. They can they can have campfires and roast marshmallows talk to other people that are already there about about whatever they want to and and have a good old time if they have that ability to take off that amount of time and stuff like that but then they're kind of in charge of organizing uh, and put nailing down the specifics of the event uh and i would love that as i said earlier i had trouble with some of the specifics (laughs) but yeah and then when the event rolls in these people know the area they can they can onboard people they know what it's like and yeah i, I think that would be a, a really rad way if people have that ability and, and and such i don't know how the organizers would set that up but that's that's the problem for those future organizers <laughs> um but yeah there's my idea to fix all the issues you have so much time so many conversations so much onboarding uh and hopefully those people would plan a great closing celebration <laughs> Oh, man, we also kind of forgot to um, figure out like a welcome area until right before the event. Um, and actually, the 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 person who came early did a really great job of, of like pulling a lot of that together and welcoming new people as they were coming in to camp and getting them oriented and stuff. But yeah, I definitely um, that was a major oversight on my part was uh, forgetting about having some kind of welcome area. I mean, I think another Another issue was like the event was pretty white and I think that there definitely were some issues with the campsite maybe not being the most physically accessible for a lot of people. So I think that like, you know, making sure that any gathering like this is as accessible and relevant and like as safe as possible for as like wider range of people as possible, I think, you know, I should be a major priority for like the next one. And I don't think that that's like anyone's fault in particular from this gathering. And I think that's kind of due to a lot of different reasons, but I think that's something that we could always get better at um, for the next one. Well, I'm excited to hear all the talk about the next one because it definitely seems like we're all committed to organizing another one. And that just really sets my heart on fire. As a way of closing us out and uh, kind of thinking about the next one, even though it's some ways off, um, I was wondering if we could just go around and kind of say, if we were to have an unconference right now, what would you throw on the board? What session would you um, either facilitate yourself or just want to hear someone else speak about? I know for myself, uh, one interest I have right now that I would really like to talk about and if I had been so inclined, I would have at the DPG was um, decentralized distributive farming. 
And that is the idea of networking a bunch of small quarter acre size lots into something that resembles like a 20 acre farm and having the ability to through greenhouses and mass production of starts and a, a whole network of growers have the ability to really mass produce food for people here in town and, you know, keep it local and always make sure to do our part in feeding the unhoused as well, because that's a huge part of our work here. So that would be mine, would be the practical and theoretical side of how would you make that work. So um, in addition to talking about food autonomy, I would be really interested in discussing how we can grow the movement, uh, how we can get more people in here, because it has to be a popular movement. Um, I think a session that I would like to do for real this time is an actual Maypole dance and not just a tease. Sorry about that. And also, actually, this happened at the last gathering, uh, the original one in 2022, but there were a lot of sessions that in- incorporated like um, games, um, like maybe conversational games or kind of physical games or board games and stuff, um, especially ones that kind of get people working together and thinking about like kind of strategizing and cooperating and, you know, and envisioning like futures and kind of playing them out. Um, so I think... Um, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, like games that I saw going on at this one, and I'd love to make more space for that next time. Well, um, the opposite <laughs> from the very fun and uh, experiential things uh, in the very theoretical realm, uh, I mentioned it at the event, but never had time to do it. But uh, was was a was a talk around power because um, I think. A lot of people on the left uh, eschew kind of power and also push away from organization, too, as a way of trying to be anti-hierarchical. And I think that there's ways that we can have organization without it being hierarchical, or at least it being extremely horizontal. And I also think that there's ways that we can wield power, that we can change things collectively as a group that is uh, decided upon as a community um, to change things. Uh, truly, that's the reason I'm in this work is to change things as a community. And I think that change comes through power. I think having more of a discussion around yeah, what these things are and how we can relate to them and how we can use them in ways that are uh, positive for the liberation of our communities and for the world um, is something that I'm still really interested in having. Um, but I also still don't have all the answers and so part of me has imposter syndrome is like oh i shouldn't do that but i I probably should have done that and i will the next time (laughs) i i was gonna balance out what ben said i just wanted to make spoons with people i have like like home crafts and and whittling and embroidery and uh, i think it's a really awesome way that like we've had in our community to like build community and bring in new folks and i have a lot of fun with those skill shares so yeah, that was one thing where I was like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I don't know. Everybody seems like they've got their things going on. I don't want to. I'll just sit in the corner and whittle a spoon by myself. <laughs> but next time, I'll whittle spoons with my friends. Western spoon <laughs> gathering. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sometimes to have the spoons, you got to make them. Yep, exactly. I would have whittled a spoon with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See you at the next one.
Uh, to close out one conversation I'd like to see facilitated and a conversation we are always willing to facilitate at Cybo Media with those willing to t- uh, talk with us is our relationship to social media and how that influences our propaganda and especially how that overlaps with uh, OPSEC and security culture online um, and also especially how that relates to the need to migrate towards federated uh, social media networks and finding ways to socialize on our own terms. As long as our movements are on their servers, our movements can and will be deleted. Beautiful. Well, I think that's it, guys. Uh, Thank you for joining us for this awesome conversation on the podcast today. Um, I was really honored to share this space with you at DPG and co-create it with you guys. And I'm looking forward to doing it again soon. Ooh, thank yeah, you. Thanks, thanks so much, everyone. <laughs> In conclusion, this model of organizing a gathering is undoubtedly replicable by most people. With the ability to learn from each gathering, the model can adapt and change as new and better methods are worked out organically. This is a strong method of co-creating an experience that builds community and motivates people from the bottom up. We can't recommend highly enough that everyone listening try to take these lessons and apply it to their own regional gathering. By generalizing this model, we can truly start to connect with each other and build those vital structures of dual power and prefigurative radical politics. There will be stumbling blocks in any organizing effort, but together we can figure out best practices and grow the movement for liberation. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Molotov Now. We hope you found it informative and inspiring. Our goal with the podcast is to reach out beyond our boundaries and connect the happenings in our small town with the struggles going on in major urban centers. We want to talk to you if you're a big city organizer. We think we have a lot you can learn from, and we know you have much to teach us. If you'd like to come on the show, please email us at sabo underscore media at riseup.net with the header Molotov Now, and we will be in touch about setting up an interview and crafting an episode to feature you. We would like to give a shout out to our friends at the South Florida Anti-Repression Committee, who have launched a solidarity campaign for two individuals facing 12 years for an alleged graffiti attack on a fake Christian anti-choice clinic that does not provide any reproductive care. This federal overreach and use of the FACE Act, an act meant to protect people visiting reproductive clinics from harassment, is unprecedented. To support this solidarity campaign, please visit bit.ly backslash free our fighters. We want to thank the Black Flower Collective for their continued support and wish them luck in their fundraising efforts. To support them or learn more, their website is blackflowercollective.noblogs.org. Collectiva, the anarchist Mastodon server, is growing faster than ever thanks to Elon Musk's stupidity as many activists close their accounts for bluer skies, as can be seen in the fluctuation of followers over on IGD's socials. Join at collectiva.social. That's K-O-L-E-K-T-I-V-A dot social. And follow us and other online activists on decentralized, federated internet. Chehalis River Mutual Aid Network is holding a fundraiser for their weekly meals with food nut bombs. To donate, visit linktree backslash CR Mutual Aid Net. The communique is looking for artist and author submissions. Please write to sabo underscore media at riseup.net to submit your entry. Sabotage Noise Productions will be throwing a benefit concert at The Chuck in Bremerton to support Chehalis River Mutual Aid Network this July 20th at 8 p.m. 
check out Facebook for more info. As reported previously, Katie Hussey is still struggling in the wake of harassment by Dayton police that has cost her her employment and housing. Luckily, the charges have been dropped, but she has lost everything because of this and still faces an uphill battle in getting back on her feet. Please send any donations to Venmo at Katie Hussey, that's K-A-T-Y-H-U-S-S-E-Y, or Cash App Katie Hussey to help them during this time. Thank you to Pixel Passionate for producing our soundtrack. Please check out their website at www.radicalpraxisclothing.com and check out their portfolio in our show notes. And finally, thank you to the Channel Zero Anarchist Podcast Network. We are proud to be members of a network that creates and shares leading critical analysis, news, and actions from an anarchist perspective. Remember to check out Sabo Media's website for new episodes, articles, comics, and columns. We have new content all the time. Make sure you follow, like, and subscribe on your favorite corporate data mining platform of choice, and go ahead and make the switch to Federated Social Media on the Collectiva Mastodon server today. At Aberdeen Local 1312 for updates on Sabo Media projects such as the Harbor Rat Report, the Communique, the Sabo Tours, our podcast Molotov Now, and many other upcoming projects. That's all for tonight. Please remember to spay and neuter your cats, and don't forget to cast your votes at those who deserve them. Solidarity, comrades. This is Molotov Now, signing off. Oh, no.